it can seem like it makes it very difficult for us to stand out as coaches and say, this is who I am. This is what I do. And sort of be able to be compared to other folks around us. So people have an understanding of what we do when they come looking for us. That can be true. And that can seem like a negative, but at the same time, it actually can be very positive for us because it gives us that ability as coaches and experts to say, this is who I help. This is what I help them do. You are an amazing human being. You're a coach or expert who works hard to make a positive difference for your clients. I'm Joss Willard, and my mission is to help good coaches like you make great profits so you can live an amazing life helping the people you're meant to serve. This podcast is here to help with that. We'll be bringing you the information, resources, experts, and perspectives to allow your practice to make a difference, support the life you want, and reward you fairly and well for the impact that you bring. Welcome to Profit for Coaches. In the immortal words of Bob Slidell from Office Space, what would you say you do here? Hi, welcome to Profit for Coaches. And what I do here is I'm your host, Joss Willard. And on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about coaching and what it is that we do as coaches, or why does it matter if we know what we're supposed to be doing as coaches? Enjoy the episode. Real quick, before we get started, I want to make sure that the time you invest here is profitable. And the best way to do that is to make sure you grab a copy of the free ebook, The Four Must-Haves for a Profitable Coaching Practice. It's absolutely free. It's worth every penny. It outlines the four areas that every profitable coaching practice on the planet has in common. And thus, they're the four things that you must have nailed down in your coaching practice if you want it to be consistently profitable. So if you want an easy to understand, very specific tool that makes it crystal clear where to be focusing your attention in your practice and what you can safely ignore to ensure that your practice is consistently profitable and supports the life that you want to be living, go to ProfitForCoaches.com and download your copy of the four must-haves for a profitable coaching practice today. How often have you been asked the question, what do you do as a coach? I bring this up because it's a question that I've been dealing with a lot lately, not necessarily in my own practice, but in helping clients and prospects and just people that get referred to me figure out what it is that they want to do, what kind of a practice they want to have. And it's a quick hit this week, so we're only going to be maybe 10 minutes, but this question often takes a long time to answer for a lot of folks. And it really comes down to who are you and what do you choose to do? There are lots of different schools of thought out there about what a coach should be or, or is, um, how a coach should be supporting their client. And frankly, how you choose to support your clients is up to you. It's up to you and to your clients. There isn't necessarily a magic, fully accurate dictionary definition for what a coach or consultant or expert is or how they have to work. Now, there are some organizations out there uh, that believe that they have a specific answer. And in order to get certified by or, or carry the credentials for those organizations, uh, you have to abide by their definition. And some of them I'm okay with and others I, I think are a, a crock of crap. Um, but basically it comes down to a few things. Generally speaking, there are, there's kind of a scale for the, in the expert world or the service professional world 
ranging from freelancer to coach. And it's sort of based on how much you're actually doing hands-on. And I think I've brought this up in previous episodes. And if you've ever been in a workshop with me, uh, you've probably heard this as well, but it kind of goes like this. If you are hands-on delivering an end product, you're a freelancer. So freelance graphic designer is a, is a great example of that. You know, the, or a freelance bookkeeper, the customer comes to you and they say, I want this result and I want you to do it for me. And you have the expertise and you know how to do it. You say, I'll charge you this much and you get it done. That's your, that's your freelancer. That's, that's on one end. And then you have, uh, the trainer and the trainer doesn't typically produce anything tangible other than transferring a skill set, right? So if I'm a trainer, I'm going to come in and train your sales team to be better at at selling, or I'm going to train uh, your HR team how to handle certain types of HR situations. Right? I'm a, I'm a trainer. Now, again, I'm probably doing most of it. I'm probably hands on. I'm showing up, or me and my team are showing up, and we're going to actually do the training. Right? We're going to train your team. So that that's more hands on doing the thing. It just doesn't necessarily produce a concrete result. Next up is the consultant. So the consultant is typically a bit of a blend. The consultants will usually come in and go, I'm here to assess what's going on, give you some clarity around where you're at, tell you what needs to be done, and then get you to hire me to actually do what needs to be done for you. So it starts off as sort of a, an assessment. I'm an expert. I'm here. You, you want my opinion. Uh, you want my, my expertise. Um, and they'll do, they or their team will do a, a fair amount of hands-on on that assessment. And then they'll turn around and basically sell you freelancing, which is our team will continue to support you. We'll do X, Y, Z for you. And you're going to pay us on a retainer basis on an ongoing basis. So as an example, um, if we go back to the sales situation, Let's say you hire a consultant to come in. They come in, they evaluate your sales team and they go, actually, your sales team is doing okay. Um, they're not producing the results you want. Here's why. Here's where the holes are in your system. Here's where the flaws are in your system. Here's where um, your conversion rates are, are low and why. Uh, you're going to pay us on an ongoing basis to then train your sales team, put the systems in place, et cetera. So they're going to do a fair amount of the work. And then you have the coach. And the coach will typically come in and do some level of assessment or help you do some level of assessment and then help you build skill sets and, and, some or, and or make decisions, right? It's um, sometimes the skill set we help you build is the skill set around making decisions. But a coach isn't going to do any of it for you. And there are some schools of thought that say that a coach should never specifically suggest any particular course of action, that a coach's job is to draw out from the client, the client's own wisdom or the answers that are within the client or just help the client to find the answers for themselves. And in my practice, I do a bit of both of that. I have a fair amount of different skill sets and content and things that I have either developed or that I've licensed that I can provide. So I can come in and I can do training, but I can also come in and, and just do coaching and we can go deep into uh, wherever you need to go. I have the skills for all of that. The coaching role specifically isn't going to do a task or create a thing for the client. It's going to mostly involve thought work and providing resources and guiding towards resources, right? And then 
further off to the to the far end, there is the uh, the advisor. Um, this is the person that you're going to find typically on a board of advisors, and they don't. Their basic role is to you come to them with whatever problem, challenge, or idea you've got. Their job is to listen and then say, "Okay, great, I hear what you're saying," and then give you some advice. Right? Maybe they're just a sounding board. Maybe it, it all depends. There's a number of different ways, but they're not even coming in on a regular basis necessarily. They're just, they're there as a resource. So that's sort of your spectrum in a really fast nutshell from freelancer to trainer to consultant to coach to advisor. So if you're trying to place where you your how you want to build your business, how you want to build your practice, where you are in that, that's up to you. And and quite frankly, a lot of good coaching practices, especially in the business coaching side of things, business coaching, leadership coaching, executive coaching in particular, um, will sort of bounce back and forth and provide some level of training, some level of skill set building, and some level of advisory, and and often some level of assessment as well. So for example, a client will come to me or a prospect will come to me and we'll sit down and we'll do a two-hour clarity audit for their business, right? And I've talked about this many times. It's $2,000. We're going to sit down for two or three hours. We're going to, I'm going to help them do an assessment on their business. We'll look at, I'll ask them a bunch of questions. We'll have a deep conversation. We'll talk about goals. We'll talk about where they're at. We'll get it really clear on everything that the business has right now, where the business and the business owners want to go, what is in the way, what still needs to be done. And by the time that two, two, three hours is over, they're going to have a very clear understanding of what their assets are and what they need and what they should be focusing on next and the next steps to take. And all of that is an assessment that there is some coaching that is in there because I coach them to figure out uh, how to get there. So we start with assessment and then we switch to recommendations of resources to use, actions to take, people to talk to, et cetera. And then that might very well be it. In, in, a, in a fair number of cases, someone will pay me the, for that particular clarity audit and they'll know where to go next and they'll be on their merry way. But sometimes they'll come back to me and they'll say, okay, what would it look like for us to work with you to fix this thing or to work, to move on to the next thing? Sometimes that's a case of they want to do it right away. They want to work with me as a, as a one-on-one client for a year Sometimes it's a case of, all right, I've, I've done my clarity audit and they go away and they do some work on some stuff. And in like two, three, six, eight, 12, 24 months, they come back to me and say, all right, I want to do another audit. I've done a bunch of stuff. I think I know where I'm at. I want to figure out where next steps are. What does that, what does that look like? Let's, let's sit down and let's do another two, three hours. All right. So it, that can vary. That's part of a business coaching practice, the way I have built it. You can do that. You don't have to do that. It doesn't need to be what your business looks like. There are a number of business coaches that I know that you're going to work with them for three months on a specific project. You're going to get a specific thing done and they're going to be there to help you with that. Then there's the other aspect of, of business coaches or actually just coaches. Some of them don't even call themselves business coaches that they'll work with a business owner and they'll say, I'm not here to specifically give you any specific result for your business, but you have told me that you want to create a $500,000 a year business in some type of business that they have no expertise in. And they'll say to you, I'm not going to build that business for you, but I will help you become the person that can build that business. And that's just as valid if it's valid for that client. That's the whole thing. And that's part of the difficulty of the idea of regulating coaching or, or, or standardizing coaching as frustrating as it can be for all of us in the expert field to know that anybody can call themselves a coach and that what people offer as coaches can 
be drastically different from people calling themselves the same things or similar things. It'd be really confusing for the clients. It can seem like it makes it very difficult for us to stand out as coaches and say, this is who I am, this is what I do, and sort of be able to be compared to other folks around us so people have an understanding of what we do when they come looking for us. That can be true and that can seem like a negative, but at the same time, it actually can be very positive for us because it gives us that ability as coaches and experts to say, this is who I help, this is what I help them do. This is how I help them accomplish it. And when you can get very clear on that message and you can state that very succinctly for people, man, that makes it really easy to be the category authority in what you do. And even if you're not the category authority, you can be a strong category authority because you're the only person doing what you do the way you do it specifically for the people that you do it for. So figure out for yourself, what do you do? Who do you do it for? How do you do it? And don't worry so much about what is coaching supposed to be. Worry about what is coaching or consulting or freelancing or training or advising? What does that look like in your practice for your clients? And we'll see you next week. That's it for this episode of Profit for Coaches. I've been your host, Joss Willard. To make sure you never miss a new episode, go to ProfitForCoaches.com to subscribe now. You'll also find all the show notes, resources, guides, links, freebies, and other goodies that we mentioned on the show. Plus, we've got some special bonuses there just for our subscribers. So to make sure you profit fully from this and each new episode of Profit for Coaches, go to ProfitForCoaches.com now.